Every doctor is concerned about your vital signs, but a good doctor cares about your overall health. Your website deserves the same care, and Hey Check It is here to help. Hey Check It is a website performance monitoring and optimization tool. It goes beyond just core web vitals to give you a full picture on how to optimize your website to give your users a happy experience. It includes AI-generated SEO data, accessibility scanning, and site speed checks with suggestions on how to improve and a number of various other tools to help you. Start a free trial today at HeyCheckIt.com. Hey, welcome back to Software Social. Um, we're doing another interview this week. Um, I am so excited to have Kevin Sain with me. Um, he is co-founder of Scraping Bee. Um, Kevin, welcome to Software Social. Well, uh, thank you, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so this kind of came about because I was on Twitter, as I often am, and um, I noticed, I think it was actually, uh, yeah, someone tweeted about MicroConf Europe, which I had been really wanting to go to, um, but conflicted with the friend's wedding, so we couldn't go. So I was just sort of FOMOing and watching everything unfold on Twitter and uh, tweeted about how uh, um, Pierre, your co-founder, was, was giving a talk. And he mentioned how Scraping Bee offered free API credits to customers who were willing to jump on a 15-minute call with them. And you guys asked them questions like, what else have you tried? And my interest immediately perked up um, and really wanted to talk to you about those calls you had and um, what you learned from them and, and, and what that added for the business. But before we jump into that, perhaps um, you should say for a moment just what Scraping Bee um, is and, and, and whatnot. And, um, sure. Yeah. So, um, so basically scraping B is an API for web scraping. Um, when you are, um, extracting data from the web, you often have, uh, the two same problems, uh, which are, um, there are more and more websites that are, uh, using, um, JavaScript frameworks like uh, Vue.js, React, etc., and so you have to render the page uh, inside uh, a web browser, and this is kind of um, it's a pain to manage, especially at scale, uh, because you have to, you know, there are lots of uh, DevOps um, skills that you need. Uh, you need big servers. You need um, lots of things. And it's um, uh, really handy to have, you know, uh, uh, a headless browser accessible with a simple API call. The other um, thing that you have to do when you scrape the web at scale is to manage proxies. So you can, you, you, you probably need proxies for many different reasons. Uh, for example, let's say that you are extracting data from e-commerce websites. Well, most e-commerce websites are internationalized meaning that if you access the website from an IP address in Europe, you will have the prices in Euro. If you access the IP address, the website from an IP address in the US, you'll have prices in dollars. So you need some kind of proxy management system. The other thing is uh, IP rate limit. Some websites are limiting the number of uh, page you can access per day from a single IP address. If you need 
to access more pages, you need more IP addresses, et cetera, et cetera. And so we bundled this uh, inside um, uh, a single API, which is scraping. Uh, so I love how you're solving that because um, we have felt that pain personally. Um, so I've kind of talked a little bit in the past about how um, my husband and I's first project that was, so the one, well, not first, but the one right before Geocodio that basically funded Geocodio was this mobile app called What's Open Nearby, where you could open it up and see um, grocery stores, convenience stores, and coffee shops that were open near you. And how we ran that in the back end was we had a ton of scrapers running of like grocery store, you know, Starbucks, whatever, like their websites, scraping the hours off of them. And we had like just all the time there's issues, you know, the parser's breaking or you get blocked or um, and actually the, 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 the sort of recent side project we did curb run, which allowed people to um, get an alert when a grocery pickup slot opened up on a, on a um, grocery store's website because um, of COVID and everything. Um, that was also powered by scrapers basically and in, in, in the back end. And so I have, um, I have personally felt the pain of uh, you know, the impacts when, yeah. <laughs> when when uh you know scraping uh goes wrong or you know it, it can get frustrating at times <laughs> yeah that's uh, i mean there are um the the, the the story behind scraping b is that we um we personally experienced um some of those frustrations because pierre and i um like um b before uh, launching scraping b um, we, we started our career in, um, uh, two different startups that were, um, heavily, um, uh, relying on web scraping, um, in the business. Um, I was working on a startup in France, which is kind of, um, a mix between uh, mint.com in the U S and pled.com. So, uh, for those who don't know, it's, um, uh, bank account aggregation, uh, softwares. Uh, so pled.com is an API uh, that uh, allows third party to access your bank account. Um, and uh, mints.com is a bank account aggregation uh, personal finance management app. And um, so, so, so um, at this startup, I was really um, exposed to all of these uh, issues. And Pierre, um, he was working for a real estate startup, uh, a real estate data startup in France. And so they were relying on uh, scraping lots of real estate portals. Um, so uh, we, we both, um, uh, you know, uh, experienced uh, lots of these uh, issues regarding how to handle uh, headless browsers, how to handle proxies, how to, um, um, uh, you know, handle uh, blocks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that was something um, uh, we we knew a little about. I love how you started with a pain that you had, but also as, as you've run the business, you're also actively reaching out to your customers to understand what they were trying to do, what problems they were having and, and how they were solving um, those problems. So I wonder if you can kind of take us back to when you, like how, how did those emails come about where you were, reaching out to people like like what what kind of prompted that yeah so the we quickly realized um that 
we really knew when I say that we we knew a little about it, it's not an euphemism uh, uh, because we really knew a little about the the, the different um, uh, web scraping use cases. Each time, I mean, um, from the beginning when we launched the API, we like from uh, day one, I'd say, we realized that um, some users were uh, scraping. Um, have had some use cases that we uh, never imagined. Um, so we quickly realized that we had to get them on the phone and knew more about, about it, um, understand their businesses, um, what kind of data they, they needed, what frequency for what we use case, um, et cetera, et cetera. But the, um, the, the problem that we had is that um, at the beginning, uh, so we had um, uh, we had the banner on the dashboard um, telling that um, if they had any question they could um, uh, schedule a call with me, um, but nobody was scheduling any call. Mm. So maybe maybe the banner was wasn't uh, I mean the copy wasn't great. Maybe uh, uh, the CTA wasn't clear. I don't know. But the fact is nobody was getting any call with me. And um, we also um, um, uh, had an, an, an email sequence where we, um, we had a, a few links uh, to uh, my calendar, um, but it wasn't working. Uh, I mean, uh, sometimes we, we had a, 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 a trial scheduling a call, but it was uh, not very, uh, not a lot. And, um, and then we, um, we we had this idea of um, um, offering uh, fr uh, more 10x more uh, free API calls than the that the trial offered, um, and then instantly um, we started to get uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, calls, um, so many that uh, I had to um, you know um, uh, delete some uh, availability in my week because uh, I was just uh, doing calls. Uh, uh, every day, uh, all day, and uh, and it was great because um, we we learned so much. We, I mean, we we learned so many different use cases that we never thought about. Um, for example, um, uh, I don't know. We 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 had um, so many diverse people. Uh, so, for example. Um, uh, university researchers that were um, um, uh, scraping the web for all kinds of uh, research projects. Um, we had um, uh, government agencies that were uh, scraping the web um, to, um, uh, to automatically uh, detect uh, security frauds. Um, that, that's uh, all those kind of uh, use cases we could never uh, uh, invented them. We, we like uh, uh, I don't see any other way we could have learned all of this um, than uh, you know um, uh, calling our customers and and developing a relationship with them. Um, and by the way, this is, I mean there are many benefits to these calls. It's not just about um, uh, you know, uh, discovering their needs, 
but it's also um, uh, building relationships, uh, especially when you are a one month old startup, um, because um, you know it's really hard to sell your product, um, especially with uh, enterprise customers, um, you know, uh, uh, government agencies, uh, universities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When you say, "Yeah, we will launch a month ago." Uh, there's a bit of a trust issue um, and um, developing the relationship, a relationship with them uh, really helped. Um, like uh, in the, the second months uh, after our launch, we signed a big enterprise customer. And I think that we never uh, could have done this without, um, you know, um, uh, ha having them on the call. Um, it also helped in many other ways. For example, um, I mentioned the 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 university researchers. Um, we granted them free credits to the API for their research project, and um, like few weeks or months later, they uh, mentioned us in the uh, university uh, website, which is great for many reasons uh, for SEO for. Uh, uh, authority, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I mean, um, there was like, um, it, it, it took me a lot of time, um, to, to, to take these calls, but, um, the, the, the benefits is, uh, uh, like it's uh, really worth it. And, uh, I'm glad we did it. It's so interesting how you say that you, you not only learn so much about why people need something like Scraping Bee in the first place, but it also built this trust with your customers when you were, very, you, were, you were a very new company and they really didn't have a lot of reason to to trust you. And even though the purpose of them maybe was not you know, making these sales, it really led to them down the road all because you took 15 minutes to understand what they were trying to do and what they had been using before. Yeah. Um, most of the time it was uh, more than 15 minutes, by the way. Um, like, um, especially when the conversation was getting uh, technical. Um, because even though Scraping B is a simple uh, REST API, there's a whole... Um, uh, you know that they, they often needed um, advices um, uh, uh, about how to implement it um, uh, on their side, meaning how to uh, you know um, uh, build the the scraping pipeline, the scheduling, the data storage, the uh, error monitoring, um, the maintenance of the scrapers. Um, uh, how to, what kind of libraries uh, they could use, etc., um, etc. Et so, um, I, I we we spent a lot of time with this. Um, sometimes uh, this was a bit too much. Like, for example, when you spend one hour uh, advising the technical team. Of your prospect, and that that at the end they don't uh, uh, end up being a customer. Uh, it's a, a bit frustrating, but at the same time, um, 
it was really, um, uh, I mean, it, it, it was a, uh, as a two months old startup, it's a really a competitive advantage, I'd say, that uh, to, uh, to be able to take the time to really um, uh, advise and guide the, the prospect uh, in the implementation. Um, so, and, and it really helped us uh, to, to, to sign the first uh, customers. I'm curious, do you remember the exact questions that you asked people? Yes, I, I remember. It's not, I didn't um, ask a lot, but I was asking them um, about their, what their company is doing um what um uh, why they want to scrape data i mean is it part is it uh something that is uh part of their core product core business or is it uh some side thing um the the the, the kind of website that they needed to extract data from the frequency um uh, and why, like, what did they uh, try so far? Why did it, didn't it work? Uh, why are you are there, uh, looking for another solution, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, so that, like, these uh, five uh, questions are the, um, the most important one, I think. Um, yeah. It sounds like those questions came out of your own genuine curiosity because you had some awareness of um, the some some things people might do with scraping from your own experiences, but you were aware that that was not the whole universe of things that people might possibly do, and yeah. so you genuinely did not know what the other things people why people might be doing it and what else they might be doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and we, we were pretty lucky to realize this uh, early um, because, you know, um, you're always tempted to um, just uh, see um, things uh, through your own uh, experience. Um, but we, as I said early on, we, we realized all those um, uh, kind of use cases we had no idea about. And so we got pretty curious um, about it uh, pretty early. In, in so many ways, that reminds me of how I got interested in customer research in the beginning too, because when we launched Geocodio, you know, it, I mean, so it came out of our own needs actually, because that, that app I mentioned, finding grocery store hours, it would show people a map and we needed coordinates in order to show that map. Um, and, and so it came out of our own need there, but we're not, you know, neither of us has a background in geography or geographic data analysis, GIS, any of that stuff. And when we launched and, and people were, you know, reaching out to us and they're asking for us to do things, we would ask them why, because we genuinely did not know because we were not, you know, geographic information systems people, we weren't steeped in this world. So it was as much about how do we expand our, our product as, uh, you know, but, but why do you want to do it in the first place? Because I just, I just don't know. And following that curiosity. Yeah. And, and so um, um, the, the, 
GeoCode.io, you, you launched this um, uh, how many uh, years ago? We launched in January of 2014, so we are coming up on eight years this January. Wow, congrats. Yeah. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> Almost a decade of, of, you know, a couple more years, but uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. <laughs> sort of snuck up on me. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. And um, the so uh, how did you um, uh, when you launched in uh, uh, in twenty fourteen? How did you um, uh, get your first uh, customers? So we were our first customer um, for that app because the app was making about like three or four hundred dollars a month in in ad revenue. Um, and basically, the idea of Geocodio was that you know, we could basically, if we released it as an API and threw a paywall in front of it, maybe other people would pay to keep the servers going for it. And then we would, so we could still keep our app going and then not basically not be paying for, for this geocoding API rather than paying, you know, a major provider, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year, which we didn't have. Yeah. Uh, so we had, you know, two little digital ocean droplets that it was running on for 20 bucks a month. And, um, that was our goal was to make 20 bucks uh, a month. <laughs> so um, we then, you know, put it on, uh, you know, we talked to some other friends who were developers and had them test it out and then put it on Hacker News. And um, that was how we got that initial wave of, of feedback. We had thousands of signups. Wow. Um, most, I mean, that traffic doesn't stick around. Like you look yeah, at our yeah. analytics graph and it's just like, you just, we basically have to filter out our launch because it is just, it totally breaks the graph. Um, and, um, but we made, uh, we ended up making $31, uh, that month, that, that first okay. month. So. so it, so it paid for the, the digital ocean droplet. We were over the moon because we had made <laughs> more money than we spent on it. And to us, that was a wild success. <laughs> <laughs> And and so how did you uh, like um, after this uh, initial um, uh, uh, hacker neuro uh, success? How did you uh, continue to um, you know uh, acquire customers and develop the company? So I think in the early days it was a lot of um, you know when people expressed that they had problems that we solved, trying to be there. So I spent hours, you know, replying to stuff on Stack Overflow. Um, and, you know, whenever something came up on Hacker News, someone asking about geocoding or whatever, we would always like pop in there or um, on Twitter or um, just kind of trying to be in the places where people were already looking for something like this. Um, of course, we had we had a website, but I don't it, it wasn't super built out, you know, with you know, case studies and, and example customers and testimonials and, you know, stuff like that, basically, except for like documentation, um, okay. for, for a long time. But, um, yeah, I basically spent a lot of time on Stack Overflow, okay. <laughs> you know, trying to sort of, you know, neutrally like reply to questions and kind of, yeah, keep, keep people coming to us. And and how like how how did he did it uh, evolve like like right now where where does your customer are coming from? That's a really good question because I I don't always know. Um, we don't do um, a ton with analytics, but pretty much we're we're very SEO based. 
So it's still that idea that someone is already frustrated. They're already trying to find something for geocoding or for, you know, they need, you need to mention academic researchers. So we have a lot of customers who are academic researchers because in the U.S., um, in order to connect to any government data sets, you need this thing called a FIPS code. Um, and you can only get that FIPS code if you have the coordinates for the address and then the government data will be at that FIPS code level, which is basically sort of like the block. Um, so, for example, if a researcher is they, they know they need FIPS codes to connect to some data, um, they'll be Googling it. And so is to have tons and tons of landing pages showing people how if you need to convert addresses to FIPS codes, here's how you can do it with our API. Here's how you can upload a spreadsheet. You know, if you need congressional districts, here's how you can do it. If you need time zones, here's how you can do it. Um, it's, it's very content driven, um, on the SEO side. We, we still do a little bit of replying to stuff on Stack Overflow. I, I don't think I've done that for months, if not, you know, not, like not really anymore. Um, but pretty much it's, it's about, you know, being there when someone is already looking for something. Yeah. We that, that that's something that we uh, we also did at the the beginning of Scraping B. Um, we answered um, core questions, yeah. not a lot, not a lot of um, Stack Overflow, but um, a little bit, and then on forums, um, Twitter, um, indie hackers, etc., uh, etc. Et um, and uh, just like you, um, um, like. Now, most of our customers are coming from SEO, I'd say uh, 90%. Um, and we, we've been uh, really focusing on that uh, since the beginning. We uh, launched the blog uh, and uh, be, even before um, the product was uh, launched. So I think that our first blog was in May 2019 and we launched in uh, August 2019. Um, so we really um, uh, treated uh, SEO as a uh, like our main uh, acquisition channel. And it seems like you guys are—I don't know if you're you're quite like freemium, but you—I I notice on your site that it says you can get started with a thousand free API calls, no credit card yes. required. Um, you know, in many ways, I feel like you know, I, I think I think it's. Um, you know, freemium is not a uh, pricing model. It's a marketing tactic. Mm -hmm. um, and I very much feel like, you know, that combination of, of SEO and freemium is a huge part of, of why we have been able to attract customers because people can try it out without, um, you know, without having to talk to us first. They can see if this is the product they need and then they're like, okay, like we're ready to ready yeah. to sign up and you, you don't I feel like you don't have to sell as hard when you have that combination of, of SEO and freemium because people can just figure out for themselves if it's what they need yeah exactly and there is only one uh, thing that is very specific to APIs it's that uh, in many companies and so I, I learned this uh, with the customer interviews um, the the developers uh, do not necessarily have access to the company credit cards, and um, having a, a free trial without credit card 
is really something that can boost um, the activation because um, if the developer has to ask his N plus one or N plus two for a credit card, then uh, maybe he's like, it's going to bother uh, the developer is not even going to try the service or it's going to slow things down because he needs the approval, etc. So having the, the free credits uh, on the trial is really something um, that helped us. Um, and I, I don't I don't see any, I mean, I see many drawbacks of not having it. I don't see many benefits of uh, having a, um, you know, a credit card uh, um, paywall for the, the trial um, when you are doing, an, um, when you have an API business yeah, because of that. Exactly. And then, you know, the developers, they can, they're trying to get their work done. They can try it out for themselves, see if it works. And then if it is something that's going to work for them, then like they're the ones selling your product within the company. You don't have to be emailing yeah. all the CTOs and directors and everything being like, hello, we're Scraping Bee and this is what we do. Like it's already their developers within the company who are like, hey, like we've got this project. We've got this deadline. I need to use this thing. I already tried it. It works. Like, can you like, like, yeah. give me the card. Let's go. Let's get this over with. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I'm curious, when you did those calls, you said you gave them free API credits. How many did you give them for those calls? How many API credits? Yeah. I mean, it was at least 10,000 API credits, sometimes even more, um, depending on their... So the the, the thing um, you have to keep in mind is that one API credit uh, isn't equal to one uh, API call. Because okay. the, the cost of the um, API call is depending on the parameters that you use um, with your API call. And it can cost up to 25 uh, API credits per call. So it goes okay. pretty quickly. Yeah. So, but so basically, I'm just wondering like what the, uh, the cost to that, uh, you know, oh, there, there's the time yeah, cost yeah. of those interviews, but also basically like... <laughs> You know, because sometimes, you know, often you're, you don't recommend if you're doing a call with somebody, you know, give them a 10 or $25 Amazon gift card. And I'm just kind of curious, like what that, it, what that it was, it was not much, I'd say, but I, I don't have a precise um, figure to give you. I don't, I don't know, but probably less than a dollar um, per, uh, per, per, per 10,000. I mean, they, they don't even, they don't, like most of them didn't use the whole uh, 10,000 free credits. So, um, I, I don't, but not much. So these customer interviews cost you maybe less than a dollar yeah. each, which actually wasn't a cash outlay because you're just giving them credits yeah. half an hour, maybe an hour of your time, depending on how technical their questions were, but yes. down the line could lead to these enterprise sales and the customers really trusting you in a way that they maybe would not have had you not spent this time and given them those credits. Yeah, I can even give you a precise uh, numbers. Um, the first month in August 2019, we signed our first enterprise customer for seven or eight hundred dollars a month um, after uh, one of those calls. Wow. Do you know how many of these calls you did? You mean you mentioned you did them over eighteen months, but I'm curious if you have a. Um, I did a lot uh, in the beginning. I'd say um, 
probably 200, something like that. And I'm curious, you know, you said you, you did this for, like, are you still doing these calls or? Uh, I am, but um, so right now we, we don't offer um, free trades anymore. We we just have the um, uh, some links in our uh, email sequences uh, and on the the website um, if uh, for the trial uh, period when customers have uh, questions that have, cannot be uh, answered uh, uh, with our knowledge base or documentation. Um, and now I would say that um, maybe I have uh, four or five calls per week uh, maximum. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I, I'm still sort of, you know, it, the the calls came about because you were just you you were curious about you. <laughs> why why does anyone need this thing we made, <laughs> which is very similar to us. And I, and I'm curious of um, you know, as 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 you were maybe thinking about doing that, like like the questions you asked you know, are, are, are very much, um, you know, sort of quintessential jobs to be done questions. And I'm curious what kind of, uh, understanding you had of customer research, uh, before you started doing this. Uh, I would say, um, uh, zero. Um, <laughs> fascinating. So this kind of came out organically. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, like um, I probably um, read a few blog posts about um, how to do uh, customer interviews. Uh, it, it was not like, a, it was a, you know, um, a bit of um, both uh, customer interviews and sales call. Mm. So, um, but I mean, I, I'm not a, not a salesperson. I don't, I, I was just, you know, trying to, see if um what the customer uh, problems were and if scraping me was a good fit uh to solve these problems and if it was then i would um uh, honestly tell them tell them that uh um i thought scraping me was the best solution for them and it, it wasn't then uh i just told them um to um I mean, actually, I, I told them what, if scraping wasn't the solution, I often told them what the solution was. So uh, uh, if I had to uh, refer them to um, uh, a specific software or um, uh, a consultant or whatever, uh, I did it. Um, and uh, yeah, it all came, uh, I'd say, uh, semi-organically. Uh, I had some notions about... Uh, customer interviews and sales call, but um, uh, no experience at all. Fascinating. You just kind of dove like head, you know, sort of head first into it. And I mean, it, it, it seems like it's really helped you, your, your business and help you understand like, like why people need scraping and, and how you can help them and led to these enterprise customers. And you guys are in tiny seed, like, yeah, definitely. It really helped. That's awesome. Um, cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You, you had mentioned that you also had had some questions about Geocodio, and I wanted to make sure we got time to um, get. To yeah. So, so, so uh, I'm curious about what. Uh, so, first of all, where are you uh, based? 
So we are in Denmark now, um, but when we launched Geocodio, we lived, actually we lived in Washington, D.C., um, and we lived in Arlington, Virginia, which is just outside D.C., um, until July of 2020. So, so now we're in Denmark. All right. That's cool. And um, yeah, so the question I had is, you know, um, the usual, what, uh, what led you to, um, uh, to Geocodeo? So you, you, you've uh, answered this uh, a little bit, but what, what were you doing uh, before? How did you funded it? Um, <laughs> you know, did you uh, uh, did some consulting on the side? Was it a side project, uh, et cetera, et cetera? I found these stories uh, always uh, fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I kind of mentioned a little bit, so we had this mobile app, um, which was making a couple hundred bucks a month in ad revenue. This is like 2012, 2013. Um, and we needed geocoding for it. Um, And we ran into a point where we basically couldn't use Google anymore because they didn't have pay as you go at the time. It was either $2,500 for free per day or enterprise contract. And we just needed $5,000. So we had to um, basically sort of rolled our own geocoder that was very rudimentary. Um, and we kind of talked about this problem that we had, of, you know, not being able to store the data and whatnot. And, uh, you know, developer friends had the same problem. Made an API, put it on Hacker News, thirty-one dollars the first month, kind of very, and got tons of feedback from people. Asked them, you know, why they wanted to do what they needed to do. So started, you know, adding those features as people um, needed them. Like a big thing for us early on was was the ability to upload a spreadsheet. Um, I think we made our first sort of, you know, higher end sale May of twenty fourteen. So like a couple months after. And that was, I mean, that was a really adding that the, we called the unlimited plan, which at the time was $750 a month was a huge part of our growth. Um, but so from that, the beginning, it was a side project. Um, and um, it stayed a side project until um, I went full time, which is October of 2017. So currently celebrating my four year full time anniversary. Um, I was, so I, was a, <laughs> I was a product what? manager before that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, a, and I was specifically like in, well, I was a, first I was an operations manager. Then I was a technical project manager do, managing like WordPress website builds at an agency. And then I really wanted to be able to like dig my teeth into things. So I transitioned into being a product manager, which led into then doing product development, which is sort of where my heart is, um, okay. which is how I got into customer research too, is, is doing product development and launching a lot of stuff that didn't work out. And then eventually learning yeah. that you really need to talk to prospects and customers if you want something to succeed. Learn that the hard way. Um, yeah, so I went full-time 2017. Um, and then my, my husband, he, and, and we're like, oh, you know, if I go full-time, like it's gonna, you know, maybe take some of the load off and make things a little easier. Um, except, you know, I was full-time. So then our response, you know, our customer response times got better, you know, and we actually grew more. Um, and so we're like, okay, well now my husband needs to go full-time. And uh, this is February of 2018. And he went to his boss and was like, you know, it's time for me to go full-time on this thing. And his boss was like, no. And we're like, this is an interesting negotiating position to be in. So he ended up um, going part-time uh, part salary, but keeping health insurance, which in the U S is huge. Um, 
and um but he eventually uh went full-time by uh september of 2018 because the i mean basically the more we worked on it the more you know the, the better the product got yeah um and uh and and yeah. did, did you um uh do you have uh, any employees no i have a va but okay we don't have any employees okay so you are very uh, lean yeah yeah we we focus a lot on um you know automating as many things as we can and i think that's one reason you know, we were talking earlier about um you know seo and and, and free tier and not having to you know sort of you know do cold outreach and reach out to companies you know partly it's because you know that's kind of the sort of workflow i like when i'm starting up with a product i like to be able to test it out see if it works not have to talk to anybody like i hate when i have to have a demo to figure out if something mm. is what i need it to do um but also because we just don't have the time to be you know reaching out to people and, and pitching them because it's just the two of us but and that's yeah. also like a conscious decision on our part like we we could hire another developer we could hire you know a salesperson or whatever but we also just we we kind of like how calm it is with just the two of us so we, so so you we plan instead yeah so basically you plan to stay um just the two of you and not hire uh in the future yeah that's the plan okay well, that's um I mean, uh, there are there are many um, founders that um, like um, this situation that don't really uh, like to manage employees, etc., um, etc. Et so that's great. That's working for you. I, you know, I'm a very uh, I'm just very product driven. Like that's what I really love doing is is product work, and um, I also I do enjoy like sales work too so like my my time you know my, my sort of favorite things to work on are both product and you know customer research and and whatnot um and then also doing like sales and negotiations um and and yeah if we had employees you know i would be spending time managing employees and i just um i don't i, I don't know i just that, that's just not really where my my heart is it's it's not in being a manager it definitely is for some people but yeah um, i can relate to that yeah. yeah yeah that's um i mean that's i i don't have uh, much experience managing uh employees uh but um for our blog uh, i worked with a lot of um freelancers um you know different kind of freelancers content writers um editors um uh some freelancer to help me with the seo link builders etc etc and i mean it's really hard to uh hire to um, uh, manage to keep uh, employees motivated um i mean it's uh, it's really hard yeah it's a lot of time and you know, I think from my own experiences and, you know, those of, you know, people I know, like having a manager who doesn't love being a manager, who, you know, doesn't love like developing people and helping them grow and all that kind of stuff. Like there are people who genuinely love that. Those people should be managers. Those of us who, uh, you know, are, are a little bit more reluctant on it and, and enjoy other things. I think it's okay if we allow ourselves to 
to to not be managers and you know I sometimes think that there's this this assumption that 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 you have to grow and that you have to uh hire in order to grow um is this sort of this baked in assumption and I think there's a little bit of like judgment sometimes around companies that uh don't hire because people are like oh like you're not a real company if you don't have any employees or whatnot um I reject that like I think if you can find a way to, to run a company and it's successful and gives you the life you want and for some people that involves employees and some people it doesn't and that's yeah that's exactly okay. and some people you know it involves like I think I guess you know my my VA is 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 you know a contractor like a lot of people have a lot of contractors working with them but you know having that responsibility also of of covering someone's paycheck can you know, can lend a lot of stress to running a business. And some people like that stress and some people don't. And I don't, I, I understand I like that. Yeah. I think that that sort of leadership component of it is, uh, is, is challenging. And I sort of, you know, I ask myself like whether, uh, I feel like at some point I could, want to be a leader like that with employees but um quite frankly i don't feel ready you know maybe in another season of life i will be but at this point you know yeah yeah i um i mean i as i said i i totally uh, relate to this because um uh it's uh I mean, for me personally, I don't. I don't think. Um, uh, I totally agree with you with the um, the fact that there is this assumption of growth and hiring and and even sometimes uh, raising funds. Like uh, mm -hmm. you have to, you have to grow, you have to raise funds, you have to hire. It's kind of a you know a vanity metric in the startup ecosystem. How many employees do you have, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um and i mean there are many uh companies that uh uh i mean either uh don't hire at all or hire just uh you know a really small team and that are doing totally fine where the founders are happy the employees are happy everyone's happy um and um yeah it's uh and on the other side there are many companies uh, raising fun hiring and growing like crazy uh, where the founders are uh, not happy at all yeah. and stressed. And uh... Yeah, I think, you know, that's something we as founders, we have the decision to run our businesses in a way that, um, you know, to, to design the business, right? And, um, and, and, you know, and for me, part of, you know, designing that business is, is you know, setting it up in a way that, that we're running it in a way that we enjoy. Yeah. And um, we we enjoy working together, and it sounds like you and Pierre really like working together too. Yeah, I mean, we've been um, we've been uh, so we know each other since uh, high school. Um, so uh, we we've been uh, working on many uh, uh, projects uh, back in high school, and then uh, uh, side projects in uh, college and in the beginning of our career together um so yeah it's been um and that's was it was great because when we founded the company we had this whole history 
of working together, of knowing how to talk to each other, to um, you know um, uh, divide uh, the work uh, based on uh, you know what we are good at, what we like to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was pretty, um, um, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, fluid the work relationship. Sounds like you learned a lot from that that first side project you did together with him about about how you can work together. I'm curious what that project was. Oh, there were many projects. I'd say the most, um, um, the the biggest one with um, a Chrome extension that we launched. Uh, I, I don't remember the year 2016. I'd say, or 17. Uh, it was called Shop to List. It was a Chrome extension that could, um, where um, users could save uh, products on e-commerce websites uh, that they were interested to buy. Um, and our, uh, we had some scrapers in the backend that would um, uh, refresh the price every day. And if the price dropped, uh, it sent um uh, an email um with an uh, with the with an alert that said uh hey um this product dropped uh, 25% this night uh you can buy it here and then there was some affiliated links on the email um and um like uh, it, we we had some uh, pretty good success marketing it on reddit uh like uh we, we launched uh we posted a, a reddit uh, post one day and uh it got thousands of upvotes and we like overnight we got uh, a few thousand users uh, on the app Amazing. um and um yeah and um the funny thing is that we realized that um some customers oh no it was not customers some users sorry um were added adding uh hundreds of products on their list and we uh we told ourselves uh it's kind of strange because why would uh, uh i mean unless it's um uh, you know the person is on the buying spree or is a um has a buying problem uh it's a uh, kind of a uh, weird to, to save, um, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of products with um, different variation of the same, uh, uh, I don't know, um, a t-shirt or whatever. Uh, and so we realized that it was uh, e-commerce owners that were monitoring their competitors uh, with our app. And they were doing it because our app was free. Uh, there were some uh, B2B uh, SaaS uh, that were doing it, but it was uh, very expensive. And so um, we saw an opportunity um, there, and um, we launched our first uh, real company, uh, Pricing Bot, and it was um, uh, a price monitoring app for e-commerce owner. Um, and uh, we did this in 2018, um, and uh, it was a failure. We managed to get it from uh, zero to. Uh, 500 or 1,000 in monthly recurring revenue, uh, but we failed to grow it from there, and uh, we knew nothing about uh, marketing to e-commerce e owners. 
uh, or to e-commerce in general, except the previous experience we had uh, with this uh, little side project. And so um, we, we managed to sell it um, to um, one of the biggest um, uh, uh, player in this uh, um, field, uh, which, which is price2spy.com. Um, and it funded what would become Scraping B later. Um, and the, the great thing uh, about this failure is that uh, with pricing bot, we, we had to scrape a lot of websites. So um, um, we had these, those problems um, about um, JavaScript rendering, headless browsers, proxies, etc. So we, like, uh, we knew exactly uh, that one, like this one kind of use case um, um, for scraping me. That's so interesting. And I, I, I feel like I hear so many similarities in our stories, but something that stands out to me, not only of how you were, you were able, you know, that, so that pricing bot, you know, ostensibly failed, but you were able to carry through that expertise you built in building scrapers and understanding how difficult that can be and the problems with that. But what also carried through is I'm struck by how it seems you have this curiosity about user behavior and, you know, people were doing something and you're, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Why are they adding hundreds of products all of a sudden? And you allowed yourself to follow that. And I think that's such, um, like such a great quality um, in, a, in a founder to, to not only notice when something is strange, you know, but you but follow it. You know, you could have shut your brain off that like, oh, these people probably just have a spending problem and basically judge them, <laughs> right? And you could have just sort of left it at that. Um, but instead of stopping at judgment, you instead be like, I wonder why they're doing it and followed that thread, you know, followed the sort of cookie crumbs and, and figured out, oh, it's because they're doing this e-commerce thing. Okay, well, maybe we can like pivot into doing that. And then it didn't really work out, but you it got acquired. And then you were able to use that funds to start scraping B, but you had that understanding of your own use cases for scraping. And again, you were like, why do people need this? Let me go figure it out. And you just l allow yourself to follow that curiosity. And I, I just love that. Yeah, I mean, that was, um, it, it was really a, a great experience. Um, I mean, the, 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 like, um, even though it was um, a hard, you know, to, to fail and um, both Pierre and I, uh, we didn't, uh, like we, we had to fund the business uh, ourselves. So uh, it was uh, very uh, hard financially, but uh, the, the experience, the learnings uh, were really uh, worth it. Yeah, it, uh, it sounds like it. I feel like I could talk to you all day about this. Uh, <laughs> this has been so much fun. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I, I know from this conversation, this is not going to be the last time I talk to you. Um, <laughs> so, so, so this has been really enjoyable. Thank you. Yeah, same for me. Thank you a lot. And, uh, well, maybe um, uh, see you next time.
yeah. I, st I, I still have uh, many questions around uh, GeoCode.io and uh, uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd love to talk more about it. Yeah. Hey, I'm always, always happy to talk about GeoCode.io. Um, cool. So if people want to know more about you, keep up with what you're going on, um, scraping me and whatnot, where should they go? Uh, well, they can go to my Twitter. Um, it's uh, Sain Kevin. Um, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please let Kevin and I know. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at Software SocialPod. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Konbini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.